Hi, I'm Greg Potter, and this is 20-Minute Collaborations. Hello, and welcome back to 20-Minute Collaborations in 2023. Season two, I definitely would never be a trailer voiceover person because I sing everything and then no one would ever watch those movies. Anyway, how is your 2023 going? Do you need a reminder to do check-ins with your resolutions or your guideposts? I'm not really a resolution person. I am a theme person and a guidepost person. So I will make four or five goals for the year and do monthly check-ins to see how they're going and readjust them if I need to. I'm stern with them, but loose as well. So, but my main thing every year is really a theme. And, and as you learned last year, it was audacity. This year it's really transformation and almost in a selfish way. I think anyone who's got to know me well enough knows that I'm not really selfish to the definition of the word, and I could use a little bit more selfishness in my life. So uh, there are moments that that I am focusing on, how do I make it more about my goals, my dreams, while still serving people around me and supporting all the people I love. This year has been off to a stupendous start. We launched the first cohort of the Life Cycle of Collaboration workshop series that started in January. The cohort is so much fun. We're having such a blast. We're about to get into the second workshop next week. We did launch another set of dates for the workshop in beginning in August, and there's an early bird price if you are interested in that. There are limited seats, so if you are, definitely go sign up or send me a message and I can give you some more information. And if you or your organization is looking for me to come in and actually teach the Life Cycle of Collaboration Workshop Series and an organizational level, let, level, let me know and we can work something out. In just a few weeks, we head back to South Africa with the LGBTQ Plus Interchange. We have two spots left. If you want to just get on a plane, and go to South Africa, let me know. We are offering these two spots at incredible deals. We just want people to go who really want to go and that will benefit from the conversations that we have and the travel and the unique experiences that you will not get on a normal trip to South Africa. These are these are things that I can only offer because of all my work in the communities and spending time with these people in this country that I call home. I'm so excited that we are jumping off the season with DJ Payne One. I have a few collaborations in my my mind that I always refer to as these are the collaborations I want to base all my intentional collaborations on. And one of them is the unique balance between a DJ and the people on the dance floor. I spent my 20s dancing hardcore well into the night when I lived in Las Vegas, when I lived in Los Angeles, so much that is unsaid and that unformal agreement that happens between a DJ and the dancers offers so many lessons. And so I'm really excited that DJ Payne One came in to share with us. 
Later this season, I'm also going to bring in another DJ that I know from Los Angeles. She was an extremely, extremely popular DJ in the 2000s and late 90s in the UK. And in all my work uh, emceeing and, and hosting parties and things in Los Angeles, her and I got to be close. And so I'm excited to bring DJ Asha later in the, later in the season. DJ Payne One and I have got the opportunity to work together on different projects and different events and, and festivals. I've got to uh, admire his work on a business level, but I've never got a chance to really sit with him. So I'm so grateful that he took some time to come in and chat with me on the show. He is a platinum selling artist. He's worked with people like Nas and Public Enemy. He knows this industry in and out. If you follow his Instagram and you are curious about what it is to be in the music business, he is selfless on the information he offers and the tools that he offers. I highly recommend getting to follow him on all his work from Spotify to Instagram. Here is this fantastic interview with DJ Payne One. Listeners, you are in for a treat. One of my favorite unintentional collaborations, even though it is technically intentional, is dancing on the dance floor to an amazing DJ. And this week, we've got DJ Payne One on the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. You're going to hear my cat in the background. So it's just, that's the warning. Hilarious. Would you want to tell the listeners a little bit more about your journey on getting to where you are now? Uh, my journey, gosh, it's hard for, for me to be concise about it, but more or less, I had no idea I wanted to pursue music seriously. So I followed a different path early on. And then I decided when I finished my bachelor's to just go ahead and try music for a year to see what happens. And within that year, I had a, a number one album to my name. So figured that was a good enough sign to go all in. And eventually, I think two, three years after that moment, I quit all my non-music related jobs and just did music full time. And I've been doing that. God, I don't want to say how long it's been. It's been a long time, over a decade. That's amazing. Well, as listeners, if you have never listened to the show before, I bring on a guest and I invite them to share a story of them working with other people to accomplish a similar goal. This can be an intentional collaboration like at work, or it can be baking a cake. So DJ Payne One, would you like to tell share your story? Yes. This this is a musical story, not a culinary um or confection related story, <laughs> but uh, I, be, I, I collaborate. There are all no the time. rules to this. Oh, okay. I'm trying to stay away from cake. I, I collaborate quite a bit. That's something that I learned early on to be a valuable part of, of my foundation. So I recently at around the time of, of this story, we I had been collaborating with a group of people and we had Dream Life and I had a, a friend in common in the music business named Static Selector, who's a who's a pretty well known DJ and producer. And we had been working with him. We had worked on a couple records that he needed us to work on because there were samples that that they couldn't clear one was a Wiz Khalifa song for example it would have cost 80,000 to clear that sample so 
he needed us to create a similar sound. And so that's what we did. And we eventually just became a collective. So that includes Stack Trace, who's from Madison, and Memory, who's my best friend, he's from Madison. All all great musicians. And Static Selector brought an opportunity to us to work on a Nas record. I mean, it, it's his record that he was going to release with Nas and Joey Badass. It's, it's their first time collaborating, which was, you know, a great moment in the, the hip hop culture and musical space that, that we work in. So there was no way we were going to miss up, miss that opportunity. So we came together. The original task was what we were used to, you know, track has a sample in it, play something similar, but don't copy the sample. We don't need <laughs> you to infringe on the copyright. That, so, so we got right to work. Pardon? That 80,000 price tag is intimidating. <laughs> Yeah, well, this story takes a weird turn in terms of in terms of the sample clearance part. But I, I got right to work. In the sample, there was a vocal section. So I enlisted another Madison native named Tina G, Tina Gasson, who I met. Gosh, I was a kid when I met her. Created, you know, I don't know how many different versions of, of this track and, and really just kind of went overboard because it's better to have more than less. And, and that way, if... You know, Static wanted to reduce what we added. He could do that. It's easier to subtract than add when you're talking about music. So we did all of that. When all was said and done, I think this was probably the most stacked collab we've we've done because it wasn't just Dream Life, Stack Trace, Memory, and myself on the production and Tina on the vocals and Static Selector on the overall production, Ed Nas and Joey Badass on the vocals. Gary Clark Jr., who's a Grammy-winning um, instrumentalist, played additional guitar on top of everything. And I believe there was another vocalist. And then when all was said and done, the sample, the original sample stayed, and our instrumentation was used along with the sample. So then you had to take into account all of those writers huh. who were involved in that sample. So it was just a capital C collaboration completely completely well my first question in going into that is when in music collaborations when you've never collaborated with someone what are the steps that you take to get to know them and be comfortable collaborating with them i feel like it's difficult to know if you if you're not actually in the same room as somebody and at this point Right. At least interacted with in, you know, in a non-musical way. But I've had people reach out. I think what was helpful to me is when someone's already familiar with what I'm doing, or if I'm familiar with them and, and you feel like you know them through their work. And so I've had songwriters, for example, contact me and say, Hey, I already wrote something to one of your instrumentals. What do you think? If you like it, let's, you know let's move forward and, and collab. And I think, well, yeah, if I like it, absolutely. And so a lot of times I've, I've heard some stuff that they've recorded and I think, yeah, this is right up my alley. I kind of, we're, we, we communicated musically before we even interacted human to human with words. So that's, that's an easy entry point for collaboration. Otherwise I feel like I, I have so many 
amazingly talented people who I trust around me that I don't really need to look outside of that circle. We often have conversations about collaboration with knowing who's in your corner and having the right people in your corner. So that really reflects that piece. When you're collaborating with someone in... Yeah, I think for me, it's just a matter of staying so busy with everything else. I, I know not everybody works in a field that allows this. For me, I, I'm, I just am so ridiculously busy and I have so, such a variety of projects that I'm const constantly working on. One project could just be all me. Another could just be all me. You know, five out of the 10 projects could be all me and then the rest are collaborative. And I think, well, I've controlled the other five. I can step back and allow for somebody else to take the executive role on, on these remaining five. And also I've, I've made a lot of mistakes and I acknowledge that. So I also acknowledge that I don't know everything and, and <laughs> I'm not the most you know talented or knowledgeable person a hundred percent of the time. And I, I've, I've been in, in sessions and I'm like, eh, what are you doing? That, that doesn't sound good. They just tell me to just, just wait, just whatever idea they're creating. I realize after the fact what they were doing and it sounds amazing. And then I have to put my foot in my mouth. So hopefully I'd like to think I've learned from those experiences where I just kind of shut up and wait for something to happen. And, you know, if it's a small thing, it's a small disagreement, I think, all right, I, you know what? Maybe I don't know better. This is all subjective anyway. Let's see what happens. And I think it's just one of those time will tell kind of things. If, if I'm disagreeing with somebody over, you know, some just kind of minor inconsequential portion of, of a song we're writing, eh, do I need to fight over that? No. Do I need to win? It's not about winning. If, if the song comes together well and it's a success and everybody wins. So I don't, I don't need to fight this battle before the song is even complete to the point where we can present it to whoever's offering the opportunity. Right. I really enjoy that best practice that you shared of, I can control these things. So on the things that I have to work with other people, loosen up a little bit. It's kind of, you know, I'm put that in my own, yeah. mind, but no, really that's, like that's that. a good way to summarize it. I really like that. But something that you, as you were talking that I've never thought about, which I don't know why, but the shock of, you're working with, you're collaborating with other people to produce a product that you're still guessing that other people are going to like. Right. Yeah. And that's got to be so tricky. How do you, how do you forecast that? How do you try to work that in? So it's in your favor. I don't, I don't know how to do that. If I knew how to do that, I think I'd be rich right now, but I, I guess uh, that would make sense. My, my thing is if, it's fun and I like it and my collaborators like it. We're just going to go with it. If it, if it's just not coming together, it's not coming together. We're not going to feel any sort of investment, but if we're enjoying it and, you know, I spent all last week, um, this guy, DJ Synchro, who's damn near half my age was, was at my house for a week and we were just, we would wake up, make music and 
you know, we didn't, we didn't know. It was just us in in, in a room together. We're just kind of going off of one another's energy and response to the ideas. You know, we're just making stuff out of thin air, basically. So what do we know? And I, I think, um, I think early on in my career, I, I thought everything I made was amazing. Later on, I thought everything I made was trash. And now I'm at this stage in my life where I just don't know. And I'm going to be upfront about it. I have no idea. I just make it. If it's, if it's fun, great. If it's not, I'm, I'm going to stop. I really like that. Cause what I'm kind of hearing is I'm at peace with how I think this track sounds great. Now I'm letting it go. And if you don't think it sounds great, then that's whatever. But I, I'm glad I put it out there. That's kind of what I'm hearing. Yeah, and I would love feedback. The sad reality in the music business is you don't get feedback. You either get rejection, which is what happens, you know, 80, 90% of the time, or you get acceptance, which is not really in the form of feedback. It's just, you know, yeah, we're buying this from you. Here's an agreement. Right. I've got two questions left before I ask the final question. First, I want to go back to you saying fun it needs to be fun and that's what i often share with clients i was like collaboration is meant to be fun this should be like something we're excited to work together with what happens like is there protocol for when it's not fun or do you just quit it or what happens when one of your collaborations aren't fun because this is your creative energy yeah i, I think it's important to know the difference between something not being fun and something being challenging and so sometimes it's unclear and I'm pretty stubborn just in general. And so I can, I can use that stubborn energy to kind of power through something just to see it through. Cause I have, you know, I, th I think um, one of the, the best traits period to have throughout your life, especially in adulthood is curiosity. So if I'm curious to see how a project takes shape, that can maybe override whatever frustrations I'm having. And being stubborn, you know, I also just want to see something through. If the end result is mediocre and the process was was just, you know, either frustrating to, to the point where the ends didn't justify the means, then I'll probably just turn down additional collaborations. But I at least want to give something a chance. I really love that being fun versus being challenging. That's a really good takeaway from that. And to know your boundaries. You, that was a great story about boundaries too. Like, you, okay, I'm not going to collaborate with this person again because it, it was, you know, A, B, and C. Can you talk a little bit about the magic that happens between a live DJ and people on the dance floor? And how does that collaboration evolve through when it's on? How does that evolve through the night it's absolutely a collaboration absolutely i'm glad you said that and it's also largely nonverbal. i mean it, it helps to get verbal feedback and what i learned as a dj this is the only time i've i think i've really learned as a dj is getting negative feedback because you 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 know what not to do so all that negative reinforcement gives you this kind of hyper vigilance when it comes to reading a crowd and you know you might get it wrong but 
that's kind of the evolution of an evening. So you have three to four hours, right? As a DJ, that first hour, people aren't even drunk enough to dance or they're not loose enough, you know, whatever that I don't drink. I'm not encouraging that. I'm just saying that's, that's generally what it is in a club setting. Um, so that first hour is kind of your, your beta testing phase where you, you play a variety of stuff and kind of see what the crowd responds to take, you know, get, be receptive to requests, kind of see what the pulse is. Sometimes it's confusing. This is why weddings I think are the most challenging because you have, you know, maybe four generations of people on two sides of a family that could be entirely disparate and, you know, they want this and their kids want this, but the bride and groom want that. And it's just, you know, a mess of eras and genres and tempos and moods. And uh, so that's why I try not to do weddings. Or if I, if I do weddings, I'm very upfront. I'm like, look, I'm a club DJ. If you don't want that, don't hire me, hire me, the chick, hire, hire the chicken dance dude. So with my events, I, tend to know what people are expecting, but I also do feel like a chameleon where I can change on a fly. If suddenly, you know, a party of, um, you know, younger people show up or a party of older people show up, I can kind of think, all right, well, I, I, I've done enough events where people from this particular age group have responded to this kind of set. I'm just going to change it on a dime and, and, see what happens i think the biggest challenge is finding something that everyone can agree on <laughs> and usually that's that's it's like a it's like a, a, a contract an unwritten agreement between me and the crowd which is like look if i play music you like you respond by dancing and as long as that happens then we're good and you know if i play a song that people kind of aren't in love with i can sense that right away because the energy in the room changes and then that song gets cut off in a minute and I mix the next song in. That is absolutely my favorite collaboration of all time is having a great DJ and being on the dance floor, responding to them. And I love that. That is an unwritten contract. Yeah. Beautiful. Was there anything lingering from our very short conversation that you, that came up in your head that you want to share or anything you want to add I'm having one of those quiet weeks, honestly. So, okay. Well, I am here to. I, I defer to you on that. I'm here to respect and support that. So, I'm also having a quiet week, as you know, as we talked about before we started recording. So, well, can you tell all the listeners where they can find you? It was all. It will also be included in the show notes, wherever you find your podcasts. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm easy to find if you search DJ Payne One. I will appear. Hopefully you, you know, any variation of DJ Payne one probably isn't me. So be careful out there. There, there have been fake pages. I, I think that's what the whole verification system on these social media sites is for, but Twitter's kind of messing that up. So who knows? Right. <laughs> any variation of just DJ Payne and the number one is not me, but everything else is me. And I try to, make it very easy for you to make that determination yeah you are very easy to find so well yeah, you i'm so grateful that you were able to come on the show today please enjoy the rest of your quiet week and i will hopefully talk to you soon yeah you as well feel better thank you 
how are you feeling about DJ Payne One? Have you already went to his Spotify and his other things and started uh, following him and, and digging into his music? He is so selfless and talented and focused. And if you follow his Instagram, he is just offering these tools and constantly being there to support other musicians. This conversation really, I did not know where we were going to go. And obviously you could tell that I wasn't feeling the best when we recorded it. But we got into this relationship building right off the bat. And what you need to gain trust when you're, relation, when you're creating the relationships and the familiarity that is needed if you can't necessarily meet in person or do a more formal gathering or formal get to know each other in the relationship building, which we all know in any collaboration, the relationship building is the most important part. It's the space making. It is the creating trust, creating connections, understanding how everyone works, understanding who's coming to the table, understanding their good days and their bad days. There was a part in there also that we didn't dive into more, and I wish we would have, and it was when DJ Payne One mentioned connecting musically and the beauty that if I can't get to know this person, I'm gonna trust that I like their, if I like their music, I'm gonna trust that and I'm gonna sit in that space. I don't know what inspired me to ask the question about ego. I think maybe there's a bias that I have around musicians and athletes and and celebrities in general around when ego comes in. I, cannot, I never felt there's an ego with DJ Payne One, especially all the times I've worked with him and how selfless he is. But it's curious to know when you're in these collaborations with celebrities, musicians, athletes, when does ego come in? Because it definitely comes in in the other work that we're doing. And I can't tell you how many times I have to have an ego check conversation with a, an executive that doesn't even realize it's coming in and it's actually hindering the work. I loved when DJ Payne One talked about curiosity and having that curiosity to keep going and to see what's gonna be created. I believe the curiosity in the work is essential and if that we lose out on it, uh, along with the creativity and the love for it and the excitement, then essentially the collaboration may die. The last piece, and I wish we could have had a whole conversation about it really, was what happens with the DJ and the dancers and the people on the dance floor and that non-verbal collaboration with that unformal contract. I'm so thankful that you're with us in season two. If you missed out on season one, definitely go back and check out some of those conversations. Heck, check all of them out if you have not, uh, liked or subscribed, please do that. Season two is really projecting us into this next level of podcasting. And I'm so honored that you're on this journey. Please take care of yourself. Have grace. And I will talk to you next week with Christina Harrington on the next 20 minute collaborations. You've been listening to 20-Minute Collaborations with international collaboration coach Greg Potter. If you're interested in working with Greg or finding out how he can help your organization, visit ggpotter.com. You can also follow him on all the social media at ggpotter. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get all of the collaborative ooey-gooeyness that you've been longing for your entire life. 
This is an Artemis Bow Productions podcast.